This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here, go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are back with one of my favorite guests that we have, Kevin Ring. At some point, we're just going to get him an office down here because I feel like we have him on that regularly. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that NCCI has been playing around a little bit, making some changes. And, you know, we didn't get through everything we wanted to on the last episode. So I wanted to bring Kevin back and really talk about how producers that are on the forefront of these changes that understand what's going on and have the ability to articulate that to their prospects are really setting themselves up to have an advantage at the point of sale. So that's kind of where we're going to let this thing go. And as you know, it's going to go down a million rabbit holes in the meantime. But, you know, overall, let's talk about some things that we can use from the recent changes at NCCI as producers to help us sell more. And with that, I'm going to turn it over and let Kevin, you know, get us started. And Kyle and I will just pepper away with questions as we go. Fantastic. It's great to be back. Uh, good afternoon, uh, David and Kyle. And I would start with you know a simple statement that that you know applies to this situation, which is that change creates opportunity, right? When you know our world is never static, and when you can be on top of those changes and uh, communicating them uh, before or better than your competition, you know you're almost always going to come out in front. And what we've seen people have success doing when these kind of changes happen is starting with, you know, something, you know, really simple, just communicating with business owners, both prospects and clients that change is coming and that you need to be aware of the change. Uh, If you're doing something you know, where you're casting a rather wide net, like an email blast or a, you know, a mailer or something like that, you're not going to be able to get hyper specific with a, you know, about the specific business in your communication, but just alerting them to the fact that it's changing uh, may create, you know, some response where you could, you know, set up a meeting, get their information and, and give them a better idea of how things are changing and how those changes could potentially 
impact their business. In states, as we record this today, I think there's one more than when we talked last week, three, six, nine, you know, 12 or 13 states, uh, 12 or 13 states that have already released their rating values for the beginning of the year. So if you're using any sort of mod analysis software, they should be able to to help you project what a 2024 mod would look like for your, your clients. But yeah, I would start by just communicating to folks what is changing and you know probably a little bit about why it's changing because probably any business owner you're really interested in, in working with is going to have some degree of curiosity uh, about how it's going to impact them. So if you're a producer, man, there's a lot of stuff out there that comes through. And I mean, I say it all the time. You're like a walking encyclopedia for workers comp. So it's it's easy for me to pick up the phone or shoot you an email and ask you a question because I'm part of the Institute of Work Comp Professionals at this point. I have my CWCA designation, but not every agency out there is going to support their mm-hmm. producers at the level that we do. And so they got to know where to start, man. What's your best piece of advice? If I'm a producer that's out there struggling right now, how do I even think about keeping up with this stuff? NCCI has some really strong resources specifically around this change. And one of the things that's most impressive to me right now around this is if you contrast how NCCI has communicated uh, these changes with how they communicated the split point change in 2013, uh, it's like a completely different organization. And so you can go to ncci.com and find uh, you know, an explainer about what's changing. You can, and you don't need a subscription to, to see most of what they've put out there. You probably do need uh, access to the manuals in order to like, for instance, read the whole filing that that lays out everything that they said. But honestly, uh, there's probably a pretty short list of people uh, that would care to read the the whole thing. But they have, as I recall, without <laughs> just some light reading in there. <laughs> just yeah, it's just light reading just of the NCCI manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just the manuals. This is like the filing they sent to the states that talks about, you know, what's changing. And, you know, if you want to see 47 pages of of actuarial tables of the different tests that they did and stuff like that, which to be fair, I don't even want to see. I just, I want to know what's changing, but, but NCCI has some really good resources that I think would be useful for folks who wanted to, to be able to communicate what's changing. That's where I would start and where you're going to find, you know, good, reliable information. That's going to be, I would say, very neutral, uh, as opposed to, you know, if you just Google, I haven't gone and Googled what what anyone else is is saying about this. I think it's probably not quite as inflammatory as when the split point change happened in 2013. But it's one thing I would probably caution folks on as they work to communicate this is you don't want to paint this as the sky is falling. It's certainly important it, they're, they're big changes, but no one's out to get you or your clients. Uh, it's, it's an adjustment in the experience rating plan and something that, 
that has to happen periodically uh, just to, to make sure that things stay in balance. That doesn't mean you don't have clients that are, are going to see a substantial impact on their mod as a result of these changes. So the basic manual, as bad as it sounds, is actually a huge differentiator at the point of sale. You know, I've heard Gurley mention it multiple times. It's something that he likes to keep around for a little light reading, apparently. (laughs) I think it goes back to most things, man. It's one of these things in this industry where you literally just have to, to bite down on the leather strap and take your medicine. You know what I mean? Like you got to read it. You got to know the things that are going to impact the people that you're talking to and be able to explain it in a way that they're going to understand it, which I think is the other piece of it, man. Like this could get pretty technical pretty quickly. I, I had a client today, you know, that is upset because he's got a claim that's got some issues attached to it. And the first issue that I had was he didn't let us know that he had the claim. Like we want all claims reported through our office so that we can then report to the carrier. And we have an idea of what's going on for not the least, the, the, you know, not the least of which reasons is that we want to get it in centuries because we use them to manage that process and keep us abreast of what's going on, you know, in their app. But this guy's upset. He wants to move to a new workers comp carrier. And he writes this long epistle about all the things the carrier's done to be egregious to him. And he, <laughs> own, he owns the company. And so I go into the carrier's website and it happens to be one of those carriers where we have really, really good notes and access to everything. And so did I you start some- your email on the way back with listen, Sparky. Yeah, no, I didn't, but I wanted to. <laughs> I um, I, I started reading through all the notes and everything, and it's like everything I'm reading, I agree with, you know, as far as how the carrier handled this thing. And this guy said, you know, the, the thing that really struck me, he said, you know, if I would used, if I would have just gone and used my own medical insurance, I would have been able to get through this whole process much faster because I would be able to make decisions on this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking to myself, we have failed you miserably because you don't know how this process works. Now, part of the issue is we failed him miserably because we didn't tell him what our expectation was. And by the way, I take responsibility. This is my account. Like this is nobody else's fault, but my own. It's a smaller piece of business that was inbound. So it ends up mentally getting treated as such. Not that that's right or wrong, but I'm going to always shoot straight. And look, there are times that I, I, I dropped the ball too. And this is one of them. Never really explained Here's what it should look like. To be quite honest with you, I never really expected him to have any claims because it's not a big, not a big company and not really something that is is overly high hazard. To give you an example, the one claim was the fact that he was getting stung by a bunch of bees, ran away, sprinting, fell and put his arms out to break his fall and ended up tearing his rotator cuff. I didn't see that one coming. Okay. Regardless, I look at everything in the, in, in, I know how the comp system works. You have to let the system work. You know, it's not, it's not the same as, well, you didn't give me the answer I wanted. So I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go over here now. Well, that guy didn't give me the answer either. So I'm going to go to this lady over here. No, you get the one time change, but it's like, you got to let things run their course. If the doctor says with reasonable certainty, you need to go to PT for four to six weeks and try that first. That's the diagnosis. That's what needs to happen. If you don't agree with it, exercise your one-time change up front or whatever, 
and call it a day. But, you know, don't say that the carrier is not doing their job and they're they're treating you like a second class citizen and this, that and the other, when in reality, they followed what they're required to do. And I think that's a big difference, man. I think that people that are out there and you've said this before you when you're on the podcast, you know, when the average person gets hurt, it's the first time they've ever like some astronomically huge percentage. I want to say it was in the 80s. 90, I was going to say 93. It's some abnormally large amount of people that when they have a workers' comp claim, it's the first time they've ever had a workers' comp claim. What's they the did- percentage? He he knows what it is. I need to hear it now. No, I really, I really oh. don't. I've I've looked for it recently. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very disappointed in myself. <laughs> but I think, I mean, it's certainly north of 75. I feel comfortable. Yeah. Feel comfortable with that. And yeah, you're the the injured employee doesn't know what to do. And if the if the employer doesn't know what to do or ignores what they know, which happens not infrequently. And it's especially challenging with businesses with low clean frequency, which is is a little bit ironic, right? Because we all want our clients to have, you know, little few to no claims. But when something, when anything, this is a blanket statement, when you have something in your business that is a, a low frequency occurrence, then the likelihood that you're going to remember exactly what you need to do is pretty low. You know, it's one of the things that we've seen keep people in agencies from using their mod analysis software that they're paying good money for because they say, oh, well, you know, we only use it on our biggest accounts and, you know, we only need to do that a couple, three times a year. And so every time we do it, it's like, you know, the very first time you never conquer that learning curve. Um, and it can be a real challenge to get those practices installed if someone's having, you know, one injury a year or one every two or three years. And that's why what you were saying about having your clients keep you in the loop right up front, because, and you know, you all know this, if you get a call from your client four five, six weeks after the injury happens and they're ticked off the way you're describing then your opportunity to help them to the best of your ability is largely out the window, right? Like you can try and mitigate what's happening, Mm -hmm. but you can't retroactively go back and bring them back to work after two or three days, like you would have told them before. Of course, with a torn rotator cuff, you know, you're not going to keep that medical only anyway, but it certainly it could have at least felt better, even if the ultimate outcome wasn't different. Yeah. I I think another aspect of the claims reporting, especially when it's a a company that may not have high frequency is when they get in a situation where they feel like it's not a legitimate claim and smaller, you know, mid-sized business owners have an emotional attachment to that because it's their business. I feel like somebody's trying to take advantage of them. I mean, that's got to have an impact on this too, I would think, where they don't exactly follow the the correct course of action because they feel that it is something that they shouldn't be responsible for. Does that make sense? Right. And, and if that's happening, then it's even more important that they, you know, address it immediately. Right. Because, you know, it's real hard to get a carrier excited about denying a claim two, three months after it happened. Like you better, you better come back with, with some, pretty hardcore information to get them to pull the cord 
that far in, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's always even if you think the the person reporting this injury uh, is completely full of it, you're always going to be better off to act as though you watch that person suffer the injury that they're claiming, uh, because even if the whole thing's a scam, but the carrier doesn't deny it, doesn't do anything, it's it's still going to wind up being easier to handle and less expensive than if you just let it completely spin out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you think the real opportunities are at this point? You know, with the changes that are out there, you know, where should we be focusing? Where should we be looking for low hanging fruit as producers on the streets? Well, anytime there's a change to the mod, the the low hanging fruit are the businesses you work with or want to work with who are most concerned about changes to their mod, right? And that today is almost certainly going to be contractors uh, because it is so, so common that contractors are held to you know a, a mod standard of, of one form or another uh, when they're bidding on jobs. Uh, with comp rates being as low as they are, you might have some clients that they're just happy with the premium they're paying and their mod going up 10, 15 points might not feel super painful to them. That doesn't mean they they couldn't improve or that we couldn't help them improve. Uh, but if they're not going to get excited about it, then it doesn't matter how right you are, <laughs> right? It's uh, So my first thought would be contractors, because as a group, they do tend to be mod sensitive and the difference between having a mod of 99 and 101 isn't you know maybe two percent of premium it's some probably pretty large amount of revenue for the business so you know i would say that if you have clients or potential clients that you know are mod sensitive then the sooner you can talk to them about what's going on and the impact it might potentially have, the better. It is a challenge if your state hasn't had their rate filing published and the majority of them haven't yet. It's a challenge to zero in on the impact that it's going to have. And so the the point in a perfect world, you'd be able to, to tell them exactly what it's going to look like uh, next year. But um, you know, if they have, you know, large claims that are already capped or are near your state caps, it's reasonable to assume that the the impact of those won't be as great because what we're seeing, think out of the states we have values for, there's only a couple where the, the claim cap hasn't dropped by at least half. Mm. You know, we're, we're seeing, and this is a broad general generalization but we're seeing D ratios increase. And that's the, the number that, that creates your expected primary losses. Uh, we're seeing those values increase roughly or increase or decrease roughly the same amount that the split point is changing. So, I mean, as an example, um, if a state went from an 18.5 split point to a 37,000 split point, so doubling uh, the amount, and no, I don't think anyone's going that high. But if someone were, you would expect those D ratios to uh, to roughly double. Uh, so you could certainly 
if if you wanted to get down and dirty with the math, you could kind of play around with their current mod and see what that might uh, look like. But just communicating that this change is happening and that that this is going to, you know, next year is going to be different than it's it's been the last several years is is a good way to start the conversation uh, because and and y'all know this and I know that you you talk about this in some form or fashion uh, with your folks is that there's a tremendous amount of power in in asking questions that a business owner has not been asked before and in sharing information with them that's not been shared with them. Because when you're asking questions that no one else has asked, they assume that you know the answer uh, because otherwise, why would you why would you ask the question? And when you're sharing information, then that just gives confidence that there's more you're not sharing, right? That that there's, you know, if they worked with you, they would get the the full power of your knowledge. But I will say that it's this change has been harder than say the previous flip point change to kind of map out for a specific employer uh, the impact that it's going to have just because the difference is different in every state, right? So the split point is set you know, individually for each state and, and we can't make blanket statements that, oh, this is changing this way everywhere and this is what that looks like. What we can say pretty confidently is that the very best mods are going to get better. The very worst mods, which is really, you know, folks above, say, like a 1.4 is what I'm remembering. I, I could go back and, and look, uh, are probably going to get worse. And that most hmm. of the folks in the middle will stay about the same, assuming that the data stays about the same. Right, which is another is another piece of this, and I think maybe we touched on it when we when we spoke before, is that you can't go blaming a big spike in the mod in 2024 on these changes because if a if a bad year rolled on, the mod was going to go up whether whether these changes happen or not. So we're talking about the mod. I I happen to think the mod is very important. I think that it's a great way for producers to profile who they want to call on and can open the door with the right questions to the prospective buyer. But there's a school of thought out there, you know, that uh, likes to jump on some of my social posts in particular and talk about how uh, the mod has nothing to do with with workers' comp pricing. And it, hmm. it's complete. it's completely irrelevant, which... Interesting. I, I could understand that statement outside of Florida to a certain degree. I could understand that statement if we were talking about actual rate setting. But when it comes to pricing, last time I checked, 100% of the workers' comp policies that I've ever seen have the experience mod at the bottom of the ratings portion of the deck page. And it clearly applies to the overall pricing on the account. So rather than me just chalk that up and say it's misinformation or somebody looking for their place in life because they aren't getting enough attention, is there any validity to that school of thought, Kevin? Yes, because what we're seeing is that 
more and more insurance companies are building their own black boxes. Um, you know, whether you're talking about what what got talked about for uh, a decade as predictive modeling, now people I think feel like they can they can sell their products for more money if they call it AI mm. instead of predictive modeling. But you're definitely seeing carriers and have been seeing for quite some time carriers pricing to target, right? So the underwriter looks at everything and they say, you know, we need X amount of money to write this account. And then they use whatever levers they have to get to that number. You know, so if the mod's 125 and let's say the premium, just manual premium would be 100,000. They want to charge $100,000, but the mod's 125. Well, in North Carolina, you can put a 25% schedule credit and maybe get you back down to 100, and they're they're happy with that. Um, but there's there's a few things that are are true about the mod, and until these things aren't true, uh, then the mod's going to continue to be important. You know, first of all, the mod is is certainly and and the the claims that impact the mod are certainly part of the underwriting process. So if you want to say the mod doesn't matter, that's okay. But you know what people that have good mods don't have? They don't have claim problems, right? So what can the mod show us? The mod can show us how they compare to other businesses like theirs. Uh, and we both we all know that the insurance companies aren't looking to open up their black boxes and show you all the different things they're taking into account uh, when they're underwriting. So the mod is a very clear report card uh, that is directly comparable among like businesses. I'm convinced that if you took two identical businesses and one of them had, say, a 75 mod and the other one had a 125, the one with the 75 is always going to be paying less. It may not be 50 points less, uh, but it's it's going to be less. And as long as the mod is being used in certain industries to qualify people to do work, largely in construction, but it you know it happens in other uh, industrial settings as well, then the mod is going to be important. There's certainly it's difficult to argue that it's not less important today than it was, say, twenty or twenty five years ago, and from an underwriting perspective and a pricing perspective, but we certainly still feel like it's really important, both from an underwriting and pricing perspective, but also because, you know, what easier way is there to, to show a business owner their results and how they measure up against their competition, right? If you're working with a business and their mod is 150, you know, they are at a disadvantage against their competition. Right, their unit cost of labor is is higher because of that. We may or may not be able to draw a straight line and talk about how much more, but we know their average competitor has a 1.0 mod. You know, the likelihood is that that most of their competitors have credit mods because most businesses across all the experience rated businesses, uh, most businesses do have a credit mod, and you can show them you know, how much better off they would be if they got people back to work. If you're in one of the 36 or so states where you get a 70% discount for keeping a claim medical only, that's even more 
uh, dramatic. You know, there's a, a tremendous amount of value in, in understanding the mod and then in being able to communicate to business owners the steps that they can take uh, to, to improve their mod, which will in turn create a, a much better functioning workers' comp program, uh, which should in turn create a more productive and profitable business, right? And that all starts by showing them this report card that measures how they're performing. So, sorry, David, it looked like you were about to say something, but I was just, obviously this is, you know, complicated stuff. There's not even a lot of agents out there that fully understand how the mod is calculated and all that. How, what's a good way for people to be able to simply dictate some of these changes to their clients or their prospects in a way that they can, you know, digest it without being completely in the weeds? If I had a friend of mine that is not in the insurance business uh, want to know about the changes to the experience mod, which they don't, but we'll assume <laughs> that that my random friend knows just as much about experience rating as your random prospect or client. Mm -hmm. Then I would say I would I would start with with the general statement about the mod, which is that at its heart, the mod is a comparison of the the checks the insurance company expected to write for your employee injuries against the checks they actually had to write. Mm -hmm. Right. That's it's obviously there's more to it than that, but that's, you know, at its heart, uh, that's what the mod is. And what's changing is that they're changing how they, how they count in the calculation, the checks they had to write. So there we're talking about the change in the split point, which is changing the amount of primary loss up or down or staying the same, depending on your state. And they're also changing how, uh, how they count the checks that they're expected to write, which is largely uh, the result of the D ratios changing and the expected uh, primary losses. Because the expected loss rates, those are changing in the same way they change every year, you know, just, you know, depending on on claim trends and and the the claims in each class code. And what this is going to result in is that, you know, for some businesses, you know, some injuries they may have had are going to have you know, more impact on their experience mod than they had before. Uh, and in some circumstances, you know, you could have situations where it, it impacts it less. And the key thing for, for a business owner and probably even an agent to take away from these changes is that it's going to impact them. And if they've had bad loss experience, then likely their experience mod is going to get worse because part of the problem that this change is designed to address is that the very worst performing businesses weren't getting big enough debits. They essentially weren't paying their fair share. And what this change is designed to accomplish is to kind of rebalance the system so that everyone is paying closer to what they should be, which wasn't as true with the the old system. So I want to go back quick because one of the editing and you said that you it would be hard for you to argue that the experience mod is less important today 
than it was 10 years ago or whatever it, whatever it was. I actually agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think that it's as relevant. But I want to make sure I'm honing in on this because it's important when people are out posting information specifically, and this isn't Kevin's opinion or comments. This is me talking. So if anybody has a problem with what I'm going to say, you can come find me. You know where I live. You, you, I'm right here in Valrico and not that far away. So it's almost like I'm talking to somebody specifically. That being said, if an underwriter has to put credits on a premium in order to get it to the target that their eyeball says, by that very mathematical process, the mod is still relevant, right? If the mod wasn't there to increase it, there wouldn't be a need for them to add credits. So I'm telling you that I think from a production standpoint and as a sales tool, I'm not going to sit here and get into the actuarial and the underwriting nuances. Anybody and everybody can have a million different opinions on this. This is what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Every account that is of the correct size gets an experience mod. Every, every account gets one. And they know if they're on top of their game, they know what it is. They likely know, have some general idea of what it means, what it does. And that's where it ends. So if you're a producer and you're looking for a way to get an angle or to go in and open a door, have a conversation around something that could be a, a source of pain, or it could be a source of great pride if they have a very good mod, you're going to be hard pressed to find very many other things out there aside from premium itself have conversations on and we don't want to talk about premium because now you've taken the price the, the sale and made it a price-based sale which is why vulnerability assessment on work on uh, cyber the experience mod on workers comp florida after five years your experience rated on your auto you know i don't know how many agents knew that or didn't know that but that's why your underwriters want five years worth of loss runs on auto most of the time is because if you have a fleet you can be experience rated in the state of florida those are all benchmarks. Those are all keeping up with the Joneses. That's all normal things that you would do anyhow. When I sold satellite dishes, I always sold more than one on a street because as soon as somebody saw the first person get it, other people wanted it. And so if you're out talking to businesses, specifically if you're in office parks or places where they're in close proximity or whatever, and you have these conversations around things like the experience mod, Believe it or not, those conversations are going to come up with other people. And if you can take the time, we talked about this earlier, if you can take the time to be patient and educate and make sure that you let that person know what they need to know, not necessarily what you know, but what they need to know to make a decision, then by all means, take the time to do that. Now is the best time for you to be an educator. I understand that everybody's shopping. And I understand that you quoters out there have more people requesting quotes than you've ever had before. But if you're going to be a tactician, this is when you really dial in who your ideal prospect is, how you're going to market to them, and the things you're going to bring up in terms of conversation at the point of sale. And you're going to have to make a decision as to some people you're not going to call on and other people as you are. But when you're in a hard market like we are right now and everybody out there is looking to get pricing, this is when you being disciplined in your prospecting game is paramount because you're going to have an opportunity 
to deal with a whole lot of people that aren't your ideal prospect. And the idea of having a chance at closing is going to shift your thought process. It's going to taint your perspective to a certain degree. And only you can fix that. You got to be disciplined in who it is you're going after. So all that to say, we got about 10, 15 minutes left. What have we missed so far, Kevin? Well, I mean, first to, to what you said, you know, the, the mod is still a reflection of your performance and your performance, regardless of how much or how little any insurance company is, is factoring the mod directly into what they charge you versus just, you know, backing into the number and having the mod in there as part of the factor, your performance is a huge part of what's determining that target even if they're just pricing to target and they and they would tell you you know we don't we don't look at the mod directly and if you're performing well uh, your mod's going to be better and something that that I feel like we've talked about before is that you know insurance companies are definitely looking at you know maybe the most recent year which isn't on the mod yet uh, and taking that into account uh, which the mod can't reflect and then another thing I wanted to go back to, because we kind of scooted by it and got onto something else, is you were talking about the manuals. And for those of you in, in NCCI states, you know, it's it's our feeling that every agency needs access to the NCCI manuals, whether you know it's the basic manual, the experience rating plan, and the scopes. Now, NCCI has opened up and made their scopes look up that's free dramatically better. You, for a long time, you could get like the just the title of the code. You couldn't get the full description. Uh, and we're not here to talk about class codes and, and the premium audit, but being sure that your, your client is classified correctly is not only going to impact the rate they pay on, their, on this next policy, but it's also going to impact their experience mod down the road. And when you have access to the manuals, what you put yourself in a position to do is is actually have an educated conversation, you know, with an underwriter. Uh, we had this come up with a, a client recently where the the agent was arguing with an underwriter that they had done something wrong, and the underwriter said, "No, I didn't." And the agent sent back the the wording from the manual that said, "This is how this is supposed to be handled." And they're like, "Oh, oh, you know, I didn't I didn't realize this." And you know, the manuals are the rule book. I don't know how, how Kyle feels about baseball, but I know that David and I are both big baseball guys. And, um, you know, I can tell you the number of times I've either been, you know, on a ball field or even just sitting on a couch with my buddies and we've broken out the rules of baseball to argue about, you know, <laughs> who is right or wrong about something. Uh, but if you don't know the rules of the game, it's difficult to play it successfully. Uh, so, so having access to those rules is uh, is something that we we think is really important. And going back to the the mod specifically, it does as long as it's a required part of the you know the workers comp premium calculation, uh, it's always going to matter. And the one the one place where it's always or at least for the moment, I, I would hesitate to say always about anything. 
But at the moment, the one place that your mod will have a direct dollar for dollar impact on the premium you pay uh, is if and when a mistake is corrected on the mod retroactively. So for instance, if, uh, if you had a client whose payroll got reported incorrectly on their experience mod uh, and it resulted and, and fixing that resulted in the mod being lower, the insurance company has to give them the money back for the current and up to, to two prior mods. And if your mod goes from a 125 to a 115, they don't get to go back and re-underwrite that and say, oh, how do we get back to that number that we wanted, right? They have to issue you a new deck sheet with that 115 mod. They're stuck with all the other components. They can't go changing credits and debits after the, the policies issue. Uh, if you have a, uh, a third party injure one of your employees and the insurance company you know, gets money back uh, and results in your, your mod being lower, that money is coming back, you know, dollar for dollar, point for point, um, and and that's you know worth thinking about uh, as well. Knowing you know, making sure that the you know experience mod is correct. And people, this is is on on topic, but a little bit askew from where we we were. People will sometimes say something like, "Well, I use mod analysis to make sure there's no mistakes on the mod." Uh, no, you don't. Uh, if you had mod analysis software 25 years ago, 30 years ago, which may, maybe there was software out 30 years ago, you might have found some just straight up data entry or or and you probably not even then, not math mistakes. You know, I've never seen a mod worksheet where two plus two equals five, right? You're never going to run something through the mod analysis and it's going to say, oh, you know, they counted this claim incorrectly. Um what you use mod analysis software for is to illustrate everything that we've been talking about. You know, how are their employee injuries impacting them and impacting their mod and, and therefore uh, in some way impacting what they're paying. And most importantly uh, for us is a business owner understanding how low their experience mod could be. Right, because we I said before that you know the mod is a report card. Well, how do you know what an A plus is on your report card? You know, if you don't know where your mod can get to, uh, and and that concept and even the way that you calculate that on an NCCI worksheet isn't changing as a result of these changes. Um, it's just how that math works out. What the number is is going to be different. And when they realize that they're at a 1.1 and they could be at a 65, you know, how can you help them get there? Uh, Cause that's going to have a big impact on their business. Not only their comp premium, which uh, is, is definitely going to be lower than if they maintain that 1.1 going forward, but also how does it improve their business when they have fewer people getting injured and those people that are injured are back to work more quickly. Um, no business I'm aware of is out there just swimming in extra people outside of uh, all the insure techs that I keep seeing are laying people off. Um, but your clients, the people that, that all the folks listening to this want to work with, are almost certainly struggling to find enough people. And 
the there's a lot of challenges that we can't address here that that you need to address to keep good people. Uh, but one thing that you at an agency can help your clients with is how to avoid losing good people because they get sucked into the workers' comp system uh, and never come back to work. And and the easiest way to do that is to keep them from getting hurt in the first place. Yeah, I think, you know, the thing is we need to be able to articulate. I mean, I, I feel this way and this is what this is what we actually do. But I, I think it's powerful when you can articulate the mod as if it were an actual grading scale. Like the, to your point, if, if you want somebody to make an A, you got to let, let them know what the grading scale is. Now, when I was a kid, at one point it was 90 to 100 meant you had an A. Then at some point, somebody decided it was 93 to 100. And then I saw 92 to 100 in another state that I lived in. And part of it may be just because I moved around as much as I did. But if somebody understands that 1.0 means you're average, means you're a C student. It means you got a solid 75% out of 100 for all practical purposes on, on a normal grading scale. And I think that's the thing. So many times, because we talk about it as much as we do, I feel like we force, or I shouldn't say force, but we push producers toward writing business that's got that mod north of one because that's that's where we know there are problems. The reality is there's just as much, if not more, opportunity on focusing on those accounts that have an average mod or maybe even a little bit above average, but aren't anywhere close to where their minimum is. You, you know as well as I do, I could walk into an account that's a half million in premium Depending on the class, obviously there's going to be some variables here, but depending on the class, and if they're sitting there at a 0.94, you know reasonably their minimum mod could be in the low 0.6s, right? Just because of the way the formula works. And I don't know too many people out there on a half a million dollars that don't want to try and get as many of those 30-some points as they could get every single year. The issue is, Agents don't understand it well enough to go in to talk about it, which means that the consumer, the buyer, doesn't understand how all of that works. The number of times where we sit down and we explain, here's your mod, here's your minimum mod, the difference between the two of those is called the controllable, and yours just happens to be 35 points, it's the first time almost every one of those people has ever even heard of the controllable mod because they want to get after it immediately. They're like, you got to be kidding me. There's that much meat on the bone. I can't believe that we're, we're sitting here thinking we're doing great when in reality, you know, we're leaving all this money on the table. That's our fault as producers and agents. We're not educating people about those things. And so I think, you know, if, if you know, my advice to a producer is, don't just focus on those mods above one. Look at those mods on those meteor accounts that are sitting in the low point nines, high point eights. There's probably a pretty good likelihood you're going to be able to make a big difference in those accounts too. And they're the ones that are probably going to be easier to work with because they already get it to a certain extent. Yeah, you're dead on. And, and our industry bears an awful lot of responsibility for teaching both agents and employers that you know, comp is comp is comp, and there's nothing you can do about it. 
you know, and it's, and it's even, I would imagine it's even worse in a place like Florida because everyone can, yeah, it's, it's the worst here. You know, everyone charges the same rate. So just go find whoever gives you the lowest number and go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, Florida's the worst as far as that goes. That's a blanket. We we have no control. But about workers' comp too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but specific, <laughs> specifically about comp, I mean, I think that's what agents do is they throw their hands up saying, we'll really work on getting you a better quote for your auto or your GL or whatever, when in reality, you know, they could be doing things on the comp. They just don't realize it. They don't understand how much they can actually impact the factors that ultimately impact the mod. Right. And and I think I think it's worth keeping in mind in, in that conversation that what you're talking with them about in terms of improving their mod is also going has to improve other parts of their business. Right. And ultimately what, what agents are in an an incredible position to do across all the work that you do with businesses is to help them have a more productive and profitable business. And specifically with workers comp is if you can keep more of their people at work, rather than out on comp, then then you are are helping you know keep their workflow intact. You're you're limiting the productivity they lose uh, because of uh, of these you know folks being out of work for being out of work at all or being out of work dramatically longer than uh, they mm-hmm. need to be because you know so many employers do just say, Oh man, it sucks. You got hurt. Go to the doctor and then let us know when you can, can come back. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when you can do things uh, better, then, then you limit, you limit that time away from work, which then the, the research shows also increases the likelihood that they're ever going to come back. True. Mm. Well, I think we beat this horse as much as we can beat it, man. We're, we're at time anyhow. So, um, as I always say, if you're going to focus on something, start with the easy stuff. The workers' comp policy is literally only about six pages. I can't say the same for the basic manual, but that's the supplemental mm-hmm. reading. Learn this stuff, people. Get out there, learn it well enough that you can teach it, and then go out and teach it. You don't have to sell a thing if you're capable of doing that. The product will sell itself. Everybody's required to have it anyhow for the most part, unless you're a hooligan living in Texas. In which case, you probably still should have it. Most responsible business owners that I've seen in Texas do. So with that being said, I am going to run. I will uh, catch you guys next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.